Exodus 20, verse 16 is our text for today. How many love the Father? Amen. Amen. How many love His commandments? The psalmist David said, I lift my hands to your commandments, which I have loved. Amen. Psalm 119. And so we're going to talk some more about the commandments today. I'm going to continue my series in the Ten Commandments. We're going to be on commandment number nine today. The ninth commandment. In Exodus 20, verse 16, we read, Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. The older King James Version reads, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. The specific commandment here is to not speak something about your neighbor that is dishonest or untrue, whether in general or in a court of law. This is why courts make people swear or affirm to tell the truth prior to giving a testimony. I am not against swearing or taking an oath if it is done in Yahweh's name. The Torah, or the law of Moses, actually commands such to be done. After such an oath, to bear false witness is to commit perjury in a court of law. Perjury means that you lie under oath. The point of the commandment is this. Tell the truth. Ephesians 4 and 22 says this, Since you put away lying, speak the truth each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 16 says, These are the things you must do. Speak truth to one another. Render honest and peaceful judgments in your gates. Do not plot evil in your hearts against your neighbor. And do not love perjury, for I hate all this, declares Yahweh. As I've said with all the negative commandments, there is a positive side to each of them. And if we are commanded against being a false witness, we are commanded to then be a true witness. If we are not to lie to harm others, we should speak the truth to help others. Our tongue is a small part of our body, yet it can be the most damaging part or the most healing part. James 3 verse 2, New Living Translation says, For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. The tongue can start a tiny spark that sets a great forest on fire. James also says that if you think that you are religious without controlling your tongue, you are deceiving yourself. I was taught this little saying growing up. You probably heard it too. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I think that whoever came up with that was trying to make themselves believe that words didn't matter. You have to force yourself to believe that because the reality is this. Words matter a lot. How we speak, what we say, blessings or curses... It all begins with our mouth. Proverbs 10 verse 31 says, The mouth of the righteous produces wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be cut out. 
Proverbs 12 verse 18 says, There is one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Listen to that. Your words can heal someone who is hurting. Your words can make a person who is having a bad day or a bad month or a bad year turn around and begin to think positive good thoughts. Or your words can pierce through someone like a sword to the gut. That's Proverbs 12, 18. Proverbs 15, verse 4 says this, The tongue that heals is a tree of life, but a devious tongue breaks the spirit. Proverbs 18, 21, listen to this, Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You can literally speak life into a person or speak death into a person. You can build a person up or you can tear a person down. You can help a person make it through their day or you can make them want to crawl back into their bed by the words that you say. Sometimes my phone rings and I'll see Tisha's name and picture pop up on my phone. Tisha's my best friend in the whole world. And I love her, but I don't always have peachy days, if you know what I mean. Stuff happens. It's hot outside. I'm pouring sweat. I'm out of breath. I'm tired. And she'll call. And there's been many times that I've answered the phone out of breath, and I say, hey, honey. And she'll answer back with an enthusiastic, well, hey, how's my handsome husband doing? And that makes me feel great. (laughs) Can I get an amen from the husbands? Amen. Or she'll say, hey, sweetie, what are you doing? And when she says that, it brightens up my whole day. Now, I'm sure that she doesn't always feel peachy herself, but she uses her words to encourage me so often, and it helps. So you have right there in your grasp, each one of you have in your grasp a power that Yahweh has given you to bring forth life or to bring forth death. To bring forth healing or killing. It's right there in your mouth. It's right there in your tongue. You say, really, Brother Matthew? I have that power? Yahweh's given me that power? If you have a mouth, you have a tongue, you have speech, you have that power of either life or death in your tongue. Listen to this verse in Proverbs 15, verse 1. It says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. I think about this Scripture often, and I try to remember to obey the gentle answer part, but I have not always obeyed that part. I don't always do my best that I could on that part. But I can assure you that it works. When I have tried it, it always works. You can have someone who is hell-bent on being upset and you just begin apologizing and speaking gently and they may want to keep being mad, but they can't keep being mad. They calm down because of the gentle answer. It is good for us to examine ourselves whenever a conflict arises in our life. Now, I realize that sometimes you may be the person that is in the right and the other person in the wrong, but surely... That cannot be in all cases. As a matter of fact, if you think that you're always the person in the right, you need to repent. None of us should think that. We all make mistakes. Usually, honest self-examination helps you see 
that there is always, always something that you could do better on. This will help you give those gentle answers. All of this falls under the ninth commandment. All of this that I'm talking about falls under this commandment. Any scripture that has to do with the proper or improper use of the tongue, any of those scriptures hang off of, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Let's talk about falsely accusing your neighbor. In Luke chapter 3, when the soldiers that were listening to John the baptizer asked what they needed to do, John said, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely. We are not allowed to make, or let me say it like this, we are not allowed to just make accusations against others without proof that they have committed a wrong. Yahweh's law forbids a person to be convicted of a crime without two or three eyewitnesses. Deuteronomy 17, verse 6. He does not allow a person to be put to death, capital punishment, by the testimony of only one witness. Even if Yahweh in heaven knows that the person is guilty, a single witness upon the earth is not enough to convict a person of a crime. Why? Why is that? Well, this is both the wisdom of Yahweh and the mercy of Yahweh. Yahweh knows that all men are liars by nature. The Apostle Paul said, Let the Almighty be true, and every man a liar. Romans 3 verse 4. That doesn't mean that all men lie all the time. But it means that by nature, we tell lies instead of speak the truth. <laughs> it is easy for one person to rise up and claim that somebody committed a wrong. It is more difficult to get two or three people to rise up and make that same claim. It is even more difficult than that to get two or three people's testimonies to agree with one another. One of the best ways to determine if people are conniving with each other in a lie is to separate them and question them by themselves. You can examine storylines and pertinent points in their witness. That is something you cannot do with a single witness. You can't do that. You can only question them. You have nothing to compare it to. So Yahweh is so merciful that He lets guilty people sometimes go free here on the earth in order to protect innocent people from being falsely accused by a single witness. I hope you get that. That's why Yahweh says, out of the mouth of at least two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Don't put a man to death. Don't convict somebody of a crime unless you have at least two or three witnesses. 1 Timothy 5 verse 19 picks up this principle by saying this, Do not accept an accusation against an elder unless it is supported by two or three witnesses. This is talking about, 1 Timothy 5 is talking about ruling church elders. That's the subject, but that principle goes for anyone. You should never accuse someone of something without witnesses. You also should not receive an accusation against another person unless there are eyewitnesses. You can harm a person's name that way and sometimes to no remedy. I want you to catch this next point. It is just as wrong to listen 
to a false accusation as to speak a false accusation. He who speaks, Thomas Watson, the old Puritan preacher said, he who speaks a false accusation has the devil in his tongue. He who listens to a false accusation has the devil in his ear. If someone comes to you wanting to accuse another person of a sin against them or a crime, your first reaction shouldn't be, that sounds juicy, tell me more. No. Your first reaction should be, are there witnesses to this? And if the answer is no, it should be stopped immediately. If there's only one witness, it should be stopped immediately. Yahweh requires at least two witnesses to a sin or to a crime. Better to have your wallet stolen or the goods from your family store than your name. If you want your name protected from being tampered with, then you do the same for your neighbor. Even if you personally saw your neighbor commit a sin and you were by yourself and you are only one witness, you are not allowed to make it public. According to Matthew 18 verse 15, you should go to them in private to offer help and hopefully provoke repentance. Our goal should always be a person's repentance, not a person's downfall. We should always want for a person to repent. Even Yahweh says in Ezekiel 18, He says, Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked that dies apart from Me? He says, I don't take any pleasure in it. It is such a shame that we love bad news more than good news. It's awful that we feel vindicated if our neighbor gets in trouble or they get caught doing something wrong. The Scripture says, do not rejoice when your enemy falls. It puffs up our chest and makes us feel good to not be the one that got caught. But you know that you've done wrong things in your life before without getting caught. Shame on us for feeling proud instead of sorrowful when our neighbor gets caught up in a sin and it's found out. Shame on us for thinking, well, bless God, it wasn't me. I'm better than they are. Instead of thinking, oh, Yahweh, Father, please bring them to their knees in repentance. Let them see the truth of Your commandments. When we see a brother or a sister or even an unbeliever be falsely accused, this commandment requires us to stand up for them. We must take up the torch of Yahweh's law and speak out for those who are unjustly spoken against. When the apostles were accused of being drunk on new wine in the book of Acts chapter 2, Peter stood up and said, These men are not drunk, as you have supposed. He spoke the truth for his fellow brothers. When Saul went on a manhunt for David's life unlawfully, Jonathan, David's best friend, told his father Saul in 1 Samuel 19, he said, Father, don't sin against David. He hasn't done anything to you. Why would you seek to kill him for no reason? Jonathan spoke up for David when he was falsely accused. When you see or hear of a brother or sister having their name drugged through the mud, you need to take up for them. A lot of people today love to talk down about others in order to make themselves look good. Some people make a habit of it. If your neighbor is being talked about rudely or unseemly or just downright dirty in an unjust way, speak up for your neighbor. 
Don't allow false witnessing to take root for your neighbor. Even if they're an unbeliever, don't allow them to be falsely maligned or accused. I think a lot of people today in the world talk too much as it is. There's an old song that said, You talk too much, you worry me to death. (laughs) We could all refrain from a multitude of sins if we studied to be more quiet and more peaceful. The Bible says that even a fool is considered wise if he keeps his mouth shut. If we took time to concentrate on ourselves rather than other people, it would be a lot better. If we spent more time praying or meditating or reading our Bible, if when our neighbor does do us wrong, we took it to Yahweh in prayer rather than to our other friends in gossip, this world would be a better place. And I guess I should not leave gossip out of this sermon. That is a sin of the tongue as well. And we are all guilty of that sin. We get caught up in the filth and don't want out so long as the gossip isn't about you. Did you hear what she did? Did you hear about what happened to him? And the longer it goes the more false it becomes, even if there's some truth to it. It becomes more and more false, like the old telephone game when we were kids. There we are again, loving bad news, because it makes us feel better about the things that we do in secret. Don't get upset about your neighbor's open sins when you're not as upset for your secret sins. Even if the gossip is true, how in the world is sharing it with another person in secret going to help the situation? How is having your friends over for coffee and sitting around talking negatively about people going to help anything? You know what that's called? Meddling in someone else's affairs. The Scripture says it's like taking a dog by the ears. If someone gossips to you about somebody else, they will also gossip about you to somebody else. Oh, Brother Matthew... Preach on stealing some more. Preach on thou shalt not kill some more. I'm not guilty of those. Talk about that so I can feel better about myself. Don't preach on gossip, Brother Matthew. (laughs) Let me say something else here in general about the Ten Commandments. If, If you hear the commandments be preached and it does not drive you to repentance, then you are not listening properly. If you just sit there and think, grace got me covered, I'm okay. Here's my grace card. I ain't got nothing to worry about. You might not be a child of Yahweh. Now, I believe in grace and mercy. Yahweh has had much grace and mercy on my life. I believe in it. I believe that Yahweh receives us in spite of our shortcomings. But Yahweh's children are repentant and penitent. And part of the heartfelt obedience is listening to the law, reading the law, and repenting of sin, not continuing in sin. I hate it that I sin. After it happens, after I catch myself using my tongue in the wrong way, I hate that I just did that. I don't think, well, that's what grace is for. Don't worry about it, Matthew. Good old grace. No, I think I should not have done that. Yahweh, forgive me. Help me to do better next time. Sometimes it takes a day. Sometimes it takes weeks for me to realize that. Sometimes longer than that. But the child of Yahweh will not just sin and holler 
take out my grace card. No worries. It's all about grace. Listen, it's not all about grace. Law's in there too. Yahweh's law is just as true as Yahweh's grace. Yahweh's justice is just as true as Yahweh's mercy. It's not all about grace. not all about law, but it's not all about grace either. That's not how life-serving Yahweh works. Let me say a little bit more about gossip. I know you thought I was through with that. (laughs) Proverbs 11 verse 13 says, A gossip goes around revealing a secret, but the trustworthy keeps a confidence. You ever had someone tell you something in confidence, but it burned on your mind and your lips so much that you had to go and tell it to somebody else? Sin just transgressed. You just lied to the person who trusted you in confidence. Proverbs 16.28 says, A contrary man spreads conflict. There's a verse in the Psalms, not in my notes, but there's a verse in the Psalms that says that one of the things Yahweh hates, right along with shedding innocent blood or a false witness that speaks lies, the last thing on the list is, he that sows discord amongst brothers. Yahweh hates that. A contrary man spreads conflict, Proverbs 16.28 says, and a gossip separates friends. Don't be the person that keeps the conflict going. Be the water that stops the fire. Proverbs 26 verse 20 says, Without wood, a fire goes out. We get out here at the Feast of Tabernacles, we run out of wood, the fire goes out. It also says, Without a gossip, conflict dies down. Proverbs 20 verse 19 says, The one who reveals secrets is a constant gossip. Avoid someone with a big mouth. No commentary needed on that one. So we have a choice to make. We have this small member of our body called the tongue and it has so much power. More power than any other part of your body. We can wake up each day and we can use it to speak truth. Bringing peace and comfort and healing and wisdom and kindness and hope to people. Or we can wake up each day and bear false witness causing destruction Pain, wounds, stupidity, meanness, and despair. It is up to you. It is up to you. The tongue works in both directions. It is up to you and how you will use your tongue. Brothers and sisters, sometimes things need to be said to your neighbor that hurt. But there is always a way to say them better or more gently. Sometimes we need to give people constructive criticism. But there is always a way to do it where we don't crush another spirit. I have fathered five children, and it is not easy to do. Anyone who says it's easy is breaking the ninth commandment. They're lying straight through their teeth. I have made many mistakes in being a daddy. I have had to apologize to my children before. But one of the things that I've learned and am still learning to do is to speak positively to my kids. Tell them that I love them. Really shouldn't go a day without telling them, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. Tell them I love them. Tell them I'm well pleased in them. Send them a good text to encourage them. 
You have to discipline children so that they learn. Amen? You have to. We don't want them to be illegitimate. No. Especially when they're little. You've got to discipline them. But for all of the discipline and chastisement and constructive criticism that we give to our children, we should give double the amount of positive. Positive healing words of encouragement. Or else their spirit will be crushed. Nobody wants to just hear about what they do wrong all the time. They need to be encouraged. And it doesn't just go for our, for our children. It goes for our, for our peers. For everybody that we come into contact with. Um, encouraging our children and speaking well to people in general for their good qualities. To encourage somebody in what they do that is good. That will make them want to be better on their bad qualities. It will. So this is all the ninth commandment. And just like with all the Ten Commandments, I could preach a good probably at least three sermons apiece on each commandment. But I've purposed to just teach one sermon on each of them. And I believe that every one of us here, especially myself, needs to repent of something in regards to this commandment. I sure know that I do. I I want to do better. But the only way that that we're going to do better with our mouths, with our tongues, is by making a conscious effort every day to use the power of life that Yahweh has given you and that Yahweh has given me. The power of life. May we all use our speech wisely. May we all learn to be more quiet than we have been. Help us, Yahweh, to shut our mouths more than we open them (laughs) And may we use our words to heal instead of kill. That is my prayer for me. And that's my prayer for everybody here. May Yahweh bless His word to your hearts uh, today.